Okay, welcome back and thanks for joining us for another edition of the Gay 15 podcast. We've got a lot to cover today on a lot of different issues. Uh, to be honest, more issues than we we're going to be able to get into. There's a lot of things we wanted to discuss, including uh, Verizon's most recent data breach investigations report. Uh, we're entering uh, June and Pride Month and a lot of associated threats and concerns as you look back over uh, incidents in the recent past, such as your Orlando nightclub shooting and recent terrorist arrests. Other issues related to terrorism we're really not going to get a chance to get into today because some ongoing issues and additional things have emerged in just the last few days and weeks. So we've got a packed agenda. And as always, I'm joined by Dave Pounder, Gay15's Director for Threat and Risk Analysis, and Jennifer Lynn Walker, our Director for Cyber Services. My name's Andy, and I'm very glad to introduce a fourth teammate to our podcast today, and that's Ms. Jarena Thomas. Jarena, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, Andy. Thanks so much. Hi, everyone. My name is Jarena. I am a senior risk consultant on the Gate 15 team. Um, happy to be here joining Dave and Andy and Jen on this podcast. Thanks, Andy. Yes, we thanks so much for joining us, Jarena. I think uh, everyone's already been tired of Dave's voice, and so we're really glad to add you on to, uh, to, to add. Well, let's, let's just be honest here, Andy. I mean, most importantly, Jarena is here to bring in that academic crowd, those, those young minds that are going to be exposed to great ideas here. But the truth of it all is, Andy, we're nine episodes into this thing, nine episodes into our Gate 15 podcast. We've been doing all sorts of different things, yet we still haven't settled on a name. So I, I want to introduce the name game, Andy. I, I, I mean, I know we got important topics to get into, and we're going to, we'll get, we'll get into those things. I know, I, I, I think you're right. I think, I think it is important. I mean, Dave and his, and his family went through a year before naming their first child, and we don't want to <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so let's do it. Let's let's throw out some some winners. I think we've already identified the winner, to be honest. But just to pretend like things are democratic, and and we're not Russia here, we'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll listen to your ideas and, and various thoughts. So, Dave, do you want to well, start then, us off? Uh, yeah, because I thought I started us off. I thought I had a name. I thought I had done all the the checks, and come up with Nerd Out, the security <laughs> podcast. Nerd out, you know, like, hey, hey, we're security nerds. This is a great discussion point we could have. We, we, we get our opportunities to nerd out on this 30 like to 40 that. minute podcast. You like I mean, that because, because oh, yeah. that hard. You can only, you can't see me here shaking my head like vehemently. Well, I know because Jen, what, what our listeners don't know is that Jen. <laughs> After I released our podcast the last time, she discreetly went in, created a fake Twitter handle. Okay, maybe it wasn't maybe maybe it wasn't fake, but a, a Twitter handle, and disguised herself to undermine my name, Nerd Out. So that that that's uh, that that's Jen's nefarious activity. I wish it was that nefarious because I have actually had it for a while, but. <laughs> I can't hope you didn't notice it. <laughs> well, we've, we've, got, we've got your candidate, Dave. We appreciate that. It's a, it's a thoughtful, understandable, relatable name. So, so there's goodness in that. But I think, uh, I think Jen's thrown down the, the hammer on that one. But we'll see. We'll see. So Jen, did you have other thoughts to, uh, to compete with Dave's nerd out idea? Well, first, I'd like to hear. Well, no, I, I actually know what yours is and I, and I like it. But so I, I will, let me, let me go in. So for Gate 15 proper, we've mentioned it here before, we have that daily paper that we call the Sun, the situational update notification. So I was thinking, 
hmm, we're still doing kind of the same thing with the podcast. So I was thinking like, sup, situational update podcast, as in, what's up? And then we can even like include that, that old, that old uh, commercial in, in the canned recorded introduction that we have, that old Budweiser commercial, what's up? Anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm I realize I won't get, get any votes for right that. Now, we're all standing around going into that for like five minutes. So. <laughs> I realize I'm not going to get any votes, not, especially Dave, after my clandestine attempt to publicly discredit his idea on Twitter, but <laughs> I was going for humor, so... <laughs> that that's respectable, I think, Candid. Mine mine are less creative and fun. And so um the one that, that I'd already thrown out was Risk Roundtable, because I think that's pretty clever. But I think in addition to that, um also equally lame was was threat <laughs> perspective. And I think, you know, that's what we try and do here is is talk both to risk and to put some rational perspective on what the threats are and what they mean. So boring, yes. Throwbacks to 1990 TV commercials, no. But, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, help us out. Clearly, we're struggling, and we're almost five minutes into this thing. So help us out here. Me? Are you are you referring to me, Andy? I, I am. I am. Oh, I'm sorry. So I was all sold on Nerd Out, and then I heard Sup, and I love that too. So I don't know. Exactly. I don't know if I'm going to be a breaker. And I think yours are, are straight down the line conservative, Andy. But I think for something like this, we need to have something a little catchy um, and a little different, a little unorthodox. So I'm going to put my name next to nerd out or sup. All right. Well, well there we have it. So it looks like it's a pretty heated neck to neck uh, competition. Dave, can we, can we leave it to you to maybe take this to, uh, to Twitter uh, and I'm, get some, I'm going to, I'm going to take it to the people, Andy. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take it to the people, and I think we'll, we'll see which, where we come back on it, and then we can bring it back together at our next podcast. How, how's that sound for everybody? That, that sounds like the yeah, it's And in the meantime, Dave's going to block my Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> He's already reported you to Twitter to have it deleted. But, but I think, uh, I think you know, we, we believe in democracy. We believe, we believe in the power of the people. And so that's a great way to go. And it leads right into a more serious topic, which is the ongoing protests that are going on around the country right now related to the events in Minneapolis and just um, an unbelievable few days, really. And so um, I think most folks listening are probably well aware of the general background. I'm not going to spend the time we have to describe you know, the, the whole story. But in, in very short, yet another incident of, of heavy-handed law enforcement resulted in a black male losing his life um, while, while with the police. And I'll be honest, when I saw, you know, I can't breathe. I mean, I, I could not believe those words were being said again. Um, it just took me right back to just a couple of years ago, right, with Eric Garner. Um, it, it was really pretty remarkable. And, and the follow-on response, the, the outrage, the protests, Unfortunately, um, led into some other things that there weren't maybe as desirable, um, but it's difficult. And so to give us some perspective, Drina is uh, located right in, in Washington, D.C., and brings a great perspective to all issues. And I'd asked her, she would just maybe start us off with, with, with some perspective on you know, where we are, what's happening right now. We'll sort of talk about some of the associated things we've seen with these protests and maybe go beyond the, the protest issues themselves. So, Drina, do you want to start us off? 
Sure, Andy, thanks. And, and this is really a serious thing uh, going on. And I know a few days ago, we wouldn't have thought that there could be anything more serious than um, this pandemic that we're in. So I, I, I think I have a unique perspective in that, uh, yes, I am in DC in the belly of the beast. I'm an African-American woman. And I'm also really steeped in the security and intelligence field. And so, you know, there are a lot of personal and professional directions I'm pulled in as I look at what's going on. Um, I think there are a lot of a lot of strings to pull here. Um, and I also think that it's very difficult to just um, look at it and point blame or, or place blame on uh, individual groups of people, on communities, on um, law enforcement or anything like that, because there are so many issues wound up tightly in this ball here um, to look at. From what's going on in DC, I understand that there are lots of protesters of all colors, all genders, downtown um, protesting in front of the White House, and many of them were protesting peacefully. But in the mix were those who chose to take the more violent approach, more aggressive approach with the police, antagonizing the police. And it didn't seem like those people were there to uh, support the cause so to speak, they were there to just incite violence. And so I think that complicates the issue because then when people look at what's going on from afar, you know, they paint all the people down there protesting and rioting with the same brush. And I think that that's unfair and that makes it seem like those who are agitating for justice and to be heard are really just troublemakers and thugs, to use the president's term um, and really don't want anything but to take advantage of the deaths of these men to to their benefit and so i think that's 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 a complicating factor taking the um the intelligence approach because a, a lot of times i look at security issues just purely from a intelligence analyst approach because that's what i'm trained to do and I, so what I try to do is look at all the, the many things that are going on and all the pieces of the puzzle. You know, we have this pandemic. So um, the fact that these protests and riots are going on don't mitigate the fact that people still need to be mindful that there's a pandemic going on and there's a very um, contagious disease going around. So we are likely to see some fallout from, from all these people in close quarters in the next couple of weeks. Um, but aside from that, so I like to take an intel analyst approach and break down all the issues that are there and see if there are any practical ways to approach a solution. And I think that we've tried a lot of things over the years. The governments at the federal, state, and local levels have tried different things from law enforcement training to community partnerships uh, to bias and you know, um, biased trainings, I guess. Um, and those things have had some degrees of success, but I think that we need to do something else. We need to try new things, new approaches, um, because obviously what, what, has it, what has been done is not enough to address these issues. And so it seems like it's a new day, it's a new year, it's a new um, person who's the victim, but we still have the same story that seems to repeat itself continually. And so um, I'll just leave it there for now. Those are just some of my initial thoughts about what's going on from my perspective.
you know, and that, that's really valuable perspective. I think you, you hit it right in the very beginning when you're talking about just the fact this is, this is much more complex than many would like to make it out to be. There's a lot of layers. There's, there's an immediate issue that's being addressed, an immediate incident that's being addressed, and there's a lot of other things being thrown into it between our already very tense and confrontational political climate to a lot of complicating factors just leading up into the protest weekend that I think we'll get into. And so I think you really set us up for a, a great conversation there. But before I I add any more, Dave, I want to come over to you and just, you know, you've been looking at this closely. I think Zarina provided a lot of great commentary looking at this from her perspective at, you know, multiple layers there, just, just from how she's viewing it. Anything you want to add to sort of what we're seeing and some of the concerns you might see with where we are? Well, I, I, I think Zarina hit a lot of those complications. And, I, and really, when we think about those type of complications, We've kind of gone back and touched on these in, in previous podcasts and, and, and previous reporting that we've done uh, respectively. But when we talk about planning and preparation for events and whether that be a, a, you know, per, a protest movement, whether that be a terrorist act or, or some other type of situation when we're planning and preparing for it, we, we often talk about understanding what the local environment is like. What is the you know, coordinate with local law enforcement, coordinate with fusion centers and, and ISACs and stuff to understand what the situation is like. And, and this really was, uh, I mean, a powder keg in a, in a lot of respects. And, and one incident, it, it's not just one incident, it's not just one isolated police officer in one city within the United States. This is a bubbling up of, of sediment, um, throughout the throughout the country and and failing to understand that and failing to take into consideration the, that sentiment whether you believe it or not is just ignorance in, in the planning and preparation aspect uh, planning and preparation aspect of it and and i think it really can catch you off guard and then then you look at that second level of yes those individuals have a right to be upset they have a right to freely march and they have a right to protest then, then you have to understand that second wave of those individuals, those the individuals who come in into in the disruptors, the, um, the on the left wing and the right wing. I, I'll tell you, a person I really look at in times like this is Rita Katz and the Site Intelligence Group. And not to give them a prompt, they don't sponsor us or anything like that. But they're really a great. They have a great understanding of searching out when things happen looking at the propaganda online and looking at the messaging online and seeing what people are saying. And there are groups that are actively using this to undermine um, the, not only the protest movement, but also to advance their ideology. And, and we're talking about um, right, far right wing groups, neo-Nazis who are, have been quoted as saying, hey, let's go after synagogues because police are going to be elsewhere now. Uh, and you have left wing groups who are coming in to, to push their you know, the anarchy type of thing. So there's so many different things to this. And if you, you know, if we just look at that local level coordination, what is going on in around in your area? What does the crime situation tell us? What does the sediment of the population tell us? What is going on? And those are the things that can help inform our planning and preparation. But great take by Jarena. You know, really appreciate that. Yeah, and you bring up a lot of really complimentary, important points. And I think, you know, just a, a couple of things to sort of add to that. I think it's hard to look at these things and, and try and take a measured perspective to what's happening 
but there's always more than what's what's obviously happening in front of us. And I think for me, you know, looking at the way things unfolded, there are a lot of factors that really helped encourage a a louder and maybe more volatile response. Right? You think about the fact that we've been cooped up for for weeks and months, and so we have reopening occurring across the country. People are allowed out for the first time in a while. We've got good weather coming up across the country, which opens things up always for protests, increased incidents, because people can operate more freely, more comfortably. Um, and then we've got the weekend, right? The way this was timed, it rode right into the weekend. So all those things come together to, to just further create an opportunity for mass gatherings and anxiety and people coming out, maybe, maybe behaving a little bit more loose than they might in normal times. And we talk about all these bad actors and you a lot of those characters, Dave. I think we've got to look at the percentage in reality, the vast, vast, vast majority of folks out there protesting are just protesting. They're disturbed. They want to see changes. You're going to start talking about that a little bit a little while ago. And they're just trying to provide a voice to an issue and to speak for someone that can no longer speak for themselves, but being, being the victim here. But there are a few actors that come in, just like you said, Dave, and, and they use these for other purposes, for looting, for vandalism, for their extremist perspectives. And we've already seen that. And I think, you know, just like with coronavirus, that was sort of the very predictable punch that we, we anticipated for a long time. We thought it could be something else and eventually it came to fruition as, as COVID-19. In these protest activities, the thing we're always concerned about is that, that one or two individuals that might choose to do something really heinous using these, these, these protests as cover for some really bad, violent activity. You've got mass gatherings, they're hard to control, police are already sort of bunched up and they don't have the same level of perspective they usually do. You've got mass you know, congregations of people assembled and they're not actually paying attention to what's happening around them and just creates an opportunity for really bad actors to do really bad things. And that's always an anxiety. We saw it play out in one respect in Charlottesville not very long ago, but it could certainly be worse. And so that, that is genuinely a concern that, that I have when I look at this. It, um, we haven't seen yet and God willing we won't, but, but we could um, because the opportunity is, is there. And so I wanna come back to some additional thoughts on, on the protest, but, but Jen, I wanna come over to you because in addition to the physical aspect of all of this, there have been various uh, claims and concerns from a cybersecurity standpoint. And uh, you want to give us a little perspective on, on what those are and where we are? Sure. That's just a little bit. Actually, I actually, I actually had a physical uh, thought, but you completely covered it. It was, you know, kind of like being, you know, cooped up and being bored from the, you know, the pandemic. Uh, you know, everyone having nothing else to do, have, if that had amplified or, you know, inflated protest activity because everybody was just itching to get out. But uh, you, you hit, on, hit the nail on that head. Um, as far as the cyber part of this, uh, just a couple of really light comments. First of all, I was glad Jorena said that about the president's uh, thug tweet. And I had to laugh when it happened. But, you know, it's like only in the United States does, do we have a president that not only tweets tweets real time himself, but uh, also gets his tweets flagged with warning. So I kind of thought that was, mm. uh, anyway, but as for cyber, actual cyber activity that I've seen reported, it's mostly been website defacements and denial of service attacks against local government and law enforcement websites. Uh, otherwise, uh, actors are also known to aggrandize headlines for kind of that shock and awe, like, oh, did you see this version of that video? Kind of thing um, and use those themes to get us to click on that video or something similar to install mal malware or perform other other malicious actions um, and of course there's other non-cyber related themes per se just to try to incite more unrest and things like that 
Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, it's not a huge concern. We've seen some, you know, alleged data breaches that don't really look like they were data breaches and things of that nature. And we'll probably see more of that the longer this might continue. But you hit a point, I want to be really sensitive here. You know, one, we're not going to get into the whole social media uh, antics of last week. That could have been a great topic of discussion, but time and um, won't really allow us to get into that today. But I want to make a point that I want to say respectfully, because it's not meant as a political comment, but I think it's important to, to at least be honest in these things, right? And so, I think we've heard some some leadership from the black community that's really tried to be responsible and saying, hey, this is not, you know, the violence and the looting is not what this is about. And we need to stop it. You've even heard that from the victim's brother, right? You've heard that from, 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 from the victim's brother, which is pretty powerful to me. The president, um, politics aside, you know, Republicans, Democrats, and all that stuff aside, it, it, is, a, it is a challenge when, when there's antagonism between the White House and governors between the White House and protesters, um, not the president responsible for acts of violence by individuals, but there is a role to help manage the situation as best as possible. I'm not sure that those live tweets, those unfiltered remarks are, are helping to decrease the anxiety and decrease the tensions. And not that that's necessarily the president's job, but it is a leader's job. And I think we have some folks who are stepping up into that leadership role, but nobody's got a louder voice and a better um, way to articulate that that call for calm than than the chief executive of the country. And um, again, not meant politically, but I, I wonder if things could have been different if perhaps the the sounds coming from the White House, you know, verbally and and electronically, were were of a different tone that maybe helped diffuse and acknowledge some of the frustrations and tensions. Um, and that's as far as I'll take that right now. Um, Want to come back to something else related to the protests uh, as we as we shift our focus. But before I do. Dave, uh, Jarena, uh, Jen, anything you guys want to add regarding the protest activity? Well, Andy, if I can, and thank you for what you just said. I, I think that was really good stuff. Um, I also just want to add, um, picking up on what Jen was saying about some of the cyber activities she's seen, just disinformation in general. I know that that seems like a buzzword that's been thrown around lately, but it really is something that has such uh, an impact on the ground um, with the regular person. All the, the false information that's going around that's meant intentionally to mislead people or to inflame them or to hit at that piece of them that, you know, that makes them tick and that will make them want to do things that they may otherwise not want to do. I think that's important to consider as well as we look at um, what's, what security is doing, what law enforcement is doing and their response. A lot of times I think that people are out there um, with certain beliefs or certain ideas of things that have happened because of something they read online or read on social media or a doctored video that is completely false and they're acting on things that are just not true. Um, and that's important to keep in mind as well. That's the only thing I wanted to add to that piece of the conversation. Thanks. And that added exactly, that was, that was my next, my next point. Uh, we've hit on disinformation, like I think ongoing <laughs> since we started this. So, and this is, this is absolutely uh, Jarena spot on, no different um, in this instance. Um, lots of different disinformation campaigns going on at the moment. It's a really important point. We talked about the coronavirus. We'll probably always talk about it. Um, I think that I think we're seeing disinformation and misinformation domestically, right, from those with a, a political agenda from all sides. No, no one's, uh, you know, not to blame in that. There have been voices from all sides, political beliefs that have deliberately, I think, exaggerated and misinformed the public. And I, I think we'd be remiss to not acknowledge the fact, and I, I said this, I think, maybe last time or, or two podcasts ago, 
there are absolutely foreign nations that deliberately use social media to additionally cause strife that are talking to themselves to rile people up on both sides of the issues. Um, our not friends in Russia and our not friends in China are very happy to see activities like this occur in the United States. There, I mean, it's been it's been very discussed internationally. It's been very discussed in those two countries, and and those governments are not friendly to the United States, and they like to see this kind of thing occurring. And I think we should be honest about that, right? So. Um, I almost sometimes want to look at those that are arguing with themselves in these situations and say, look, you're, you're helping those that are seeking to do our country harm when, when you go about things so violently and angrily. Um, so misinformation, disinformation is a, a huge issue and a very real issue in these protests. So it's, it's a very important point. And Dave, I don't know if you got any thoughts on that or anything else you want to cover um, if, if you look at these protests. No, I, I mean, I think you guys hit all of them. There's no, no, point belaboring anymore. I mean, it's a, it's really important. I think you guys all nailed it. Well, thanks. Thank you for your, I think we could probably spend two hours on this easily and not get close to exhausting some of the complexities and layers. So let's really invite anybody that wants to ask any questions or, or comment um, as we post this online. We, you know, we'd love to, to try and address any concerns or issues that are out there. We'll, you know, we might come back and revisit this maybe in perspective, uh, hopefully on the other end in, in, in a few weeks. But um, there's one other really important part to this, and, and that's the idea of these mass gatherings, like we said, coming right out of coronavirus lockdowns. And now we've got very, very large not lockdowns occurring, right? People that are unmasked, people that are shoulder to shoulder, people that are sweating and coughing and sneezing all over each other, to be honest. And that's a real concern, right? So I want to pivot a little bit from hostile events, concerns, security, protests, and look at security as far as reopening goes. And as we look at the potential for you know, the spread of this virus um, now, you know, with some of these protest areas, that's a real concern. There are already concerns about reopening our country, reopening facilities, buildings, uh, faith-based organizations and others. Just wanna take a minute to look at that. And so Dave, if I could come back to you to start maybe, as you look at reopening, what's been occurring and where we're going, any particular security concerns you just wanna highlight uh, quickly for us? It, it, I mean, it I guess we're going to see what what over the next you know week as the numbers come out and the cases you know what happens with the cases what happens with the um, with the hospitalization rate and, and and God forbid what happens with the death rate but I mean this, as you go be, went back to your earlier comments about this really was that perfect storm of you know not only were there protests and stuff reasons to go outside but the the people were anxious to be outside and. And I can just tell you what I see around my area is it's like almost like pre-COVID um, in the way that we act and, and behave. I know the, the shops are a little bit lighter and the uh, stores are not as, as heavily trafficked, but I mean, everybody is out. And I think it's just going to be interesting to see, um, you know, businesses adapt to this. And, and when do we start seeing the turning the other cheek by, um, businesses to just say, okay, I know we should be covered, but we're not really going to cover in our mouths and stuff. I've already seen it in some locations and some places. And, and so it, it's just going to be, are we, are we going to stay regimented in our behaviors and actions, or are we going to start loosening that up? And then what impact is that ultimately going to have? I know in a lot of areas, uh, faith-based organizations have also opened up on a larger level uh, trying different tactics and techniques uh, for bringing members back into the, the worship arena. What does that mean? And, and what is that type of response does that get from hate-based groups and such and, and other organizations? It's just, I think it's too early to tell. 
Um, but I will be, you know, watching very closely some of these indicators and, and some of these incidents around the country and see if they start developing a trend out of it. But more to come, I think it's still too early, I mean, frankly. Yeah, no, some, some, some good points here. And it is a little challenging to see. And I think we are all tired and sort of don't want to be wearing masks anymore. We don't want to keep a social distance anymore. And so how, how complacent we get, how fast is, is, a, is a genuine concern there. Jen, anything you'd like to add as far as reopening and, and what you're looking at, any concerns you might have? Uh, Dave kind of mentioned it as far as like, you know, the contact tracing and how it's, you know, what's going to happen as, as we open things back up. Um, you know, from a, from a cyber perspective, there are a lot, a lot of unknowns with the actual procedures and such. Uh, scammers are not only taking advantage of what little we know, but there hasn't been a lot of guidance otherwise to tell us what's le what is legitimate. Two brief concerns I have around like the contact tracing stuff um, are there's contact tracing apps. Not only are there some privacy concerns with that that I'm not going to get into um, other than, you know, just be intentional about your configurations and, and otherwise, but also there are fake apps. Uh, you know, that that's kind of been ongoing with different things with the heat maps and whatnot, but there's fake apps that are actually, you know, either malware and, you know, stealing more than just that contact tracing data, if you will. And then the other concern, and the FTC even put something out on the contact tracing texts. Now, the texts are expected as part of the process. The actual contact tracer people um, are going to be uh, taking or sending out legit text messages. Uh, but with conceivably each state and regional health department having different processes, we don't have any model to go on for what is going to be a legit text and what that might look like. So I think the caution is the real texts aren't supposed to be asking for anything. No, no personally identifiable information, no financial information, nothing to click on. And the, the real texts are designed to be informational only. Um, and, you know, the legit texts are supposedly not going to ask you to complete an action. So anything that that's asking you, hey, I'm a contact tracer, or blah, 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 click on this link to validate whatever, that kind of an idea does just, okay, great, whatever, m move on, uh, ignore it kind of stuff. Hey, Jen, if I, if I could jump in, because I think you just hit on the most important part about that is, is, and again, we're going to go back to the same thing that we had earlier in this conversation about misinformation and disinformation. There is a lack of information about contract contact tracing and you know those clear processes that you hit on because it, and it does make people. I couldn't tell you what contact tracing is two and a half weeks ago either, and it's those type of threat actors are really exploiting that type of gap by not having clear uniform policies and procedures. And, and it, it, I, I'm, I'm astounded sometimes that we've gotten to this point in, in our response and we haven't really come up with some clear set boundaries on this. Everybody's doing their own thing. Where's the leadership? Where's the guidance? And again, not meant to be political commentary, but this is what threat actors live off of. They live off of this type of uh, unambiguous, you know, unclear direction. And I think they're thriving in it. Sorry about that. No, there's really good points. I mean, we've, we've, seen, uh, we've seen this abused already internationally. We've seen where people have used the information that's available for creepy, inappropriate type activities. The, the, the privacy information is really a concern. Hopefully, it'll be managed effectively. 
But to some of Jen's points, and what you just touched on, David, I mean, my biggest worry, again, is, is some of our elderly population who may be more concerned and, and reactive when they get something that looks like they've got to respond. Um, I, I worry that if they're not, if they're not well-informed and prepared for some of the antics that are going to come their way, they could be a pretty easy victim pool that, that hopefully, um, hopefully that won't occur. So there, there are some real concerns from the physical side and the cyber side. And Serena, anything you'd like to add as far as when you think about reopening, anything that's got you sort of anxious or anything you're worried about? Well, I think Dave and Jen brought up some really good points. Um, how I'm looking at it is I think um, it's beneficial to look overseas and see what other countries are doing. Since so many of them have opened up before we have, and to a greater degree, it'll be really interesting to see what happens there and to see if we as a country can take the, the lessons learned and apply them here. I think that Dave's point on coordination is really important because when there's a vacuum in guidance or, or what's happening or just leadership altogether, that people tend to take advantage and capitalize on that gap. And so I can definitely see that here. Uh, for example, um, just drilling down, not just among all the states in, in the nation, but even just the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area. You know, it's going to be really important that the leaders of of in the region are going are, are going to coordinate and be in lockstep in how they do things and how they respond to any upticks and reinfections and things like that. Because otherwise, it'll just be chaos, and then that leaves space for people to come in and take advantage. And so I'm really, I'm really um, anxious about the school situation in the fall because I think that the decision on the schools not doesn't just impact kids and parents, but it also impacts a greater variety of people who are in contact with with those students. So I think that's going to be a huge deal. And also, I'm really looking forward to what's going to happen with the election um, that we have coming up and the lead up to that, and what the reopening or, or re-shutting down or, or pulling back on um, some of the reopening measures, how that's going to play into people feeling confident that the elections are going to be taken off, are going to go forth as they should. So those are the two things that I'm really looking at. Yeah, th th those are good points. I mean, it's hard for me to think of November right now. It seems like it's so far away, but it's really not. And uh, <laughs> there's already a lot of, again, political anxiety from from both, you know, left and right on what November could look like and what others are doing and how we're trying to frustrate each other. And it, it could get ugly, especially if you think if there are outbreaks following these these protests um, and if there is talk about, you know, scaling back to, to phase one or, or before phase one, um, there's a lot of things that could go awry there, you know, as we get closer towards election season. So there's a lot of layers of complexity. And we didn't mention, we talked about this in our, one of our recent recordings, but I just think it's important to again mention is, um, the chances and we'll still disagree with, you know, we're moving too slow and I don't want a mask and you can't make me. And I think we're seeing with some places of worship, they're just saying, hey, we're just going to stay virtual a little bit longer and get through phase one so that people maybe don't have to wear a mask because we don't want to deal with that kind of confrontation. Fortunately, in the last week or so, we haven't seen as many incidents at retail establishments or otherwise where people have had, you know, violent confrontations or, or, or inappropriate behavior by those who have been um, trying to enforce rules. But that's still a concern, and, and more faith-based organizations are opening back up now. We're going to see more people emerging, you know, as Dave talked about in his community. And so there's, there's a lot of concerns um, as we still go through this gradual reopening. In some cases, not so gradual, and I feel like these protests are sort of pushing us maybe a little bit further, faster than some of us had, had wanted to go. So it's, it's going to be interesting, um, a lot of really important concerns, and, and we'll see. I mean, it was still pretty early on when it comes to contract tracing and communications about all that, and the scams are 
sure to follow. So a lot of interesting things to keep on our radar. But in the time that we have left, I'm going to pivot us uh, again. And I think we wanted to talk a little bit about a pretty big deal that uh, we're in the midst of right now is we're in June, and that's hurricane season, right? And so our team has talked about um, a little a little bit of inside baseball, I guess, even though I don't like talking about baseball because it's not a real sport. But inside what our team's been discussing um, in the Gross Hurricane season, we, we've had a little pool going on on how far we're going to get in our Atlantic hurricane season naming. So, Jen, I don't know if you've officially weighed in on this yet, but have you got any, any thought to you know, where we are, where we're going to be, how far we're going to get down the list of names for hurricane season 2020? So, yeah, actually. Uh, so I'm holding out for Wilfred given how early the name storm started this year. Last year, I picked Nestor, and I was doing, I was spot on. I thought I had it nailed. And then Olga, Pablo, and Rebecca all showed up the last week of October, and I got toasted. So I'm holding out for Wilfred this year. You're going to be wrong, but that's good. <laughs> you seem pretty, pretty uh, locked into that, so I applaud you well, for that. I have to be the closest without going over. So, <laughs> so applying her prices right rules, Dave, any, any guesses from your end? Well, well, I mean, it is June 1st, and we've got two name storms already. I think a third one's uh, coming up, and, and June 1st, for all those who don't know, is the official start of the hurricane season, though disclaimer, hurricanes can happen at any point in the year. Um, I think last year I did Tanya. Uh, that was where I was at. Um, this year, um, I, I can't remember what I picked exactly, but um, it was a little bit further down that line, just around the uh, RS. Nana. It was Nana uh, for personal oh, reasons. That's right, Nana for was, personal yeah. reasons. Both of us remember that. You don't. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there we go. So I did Tanya last year, and I'll do Nana this year. Um, so. Uh, there we go. Obviously, you're less committed to your your nomination than Jen was. Lena, <laughs> uh, being that Dave is also wrong, did you have any thoughts on how far we're going to get down the name list? I, you know, I don't. I don't even want to try. I don't like being wrong, so I'm just not going to set myself up. So I'm going to sit this one out. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> so we're put you down for Dolly then. So I'm nominating Dolly as Jarena's selection for this year. I, I went ahead and picked the winner. We're going to get to number 16 and Paulette. I feel pretty confident about that. So for those that are concerned and paying attention to these things, that's how far we're going to go for 2020. And, and, and there's your official answer. So, hey, we, we covered a lot um, really fast. Just before we wrap up, I want to um, let everybody go around. If there's anything else you want to comment on or anything that you missed, you'd like to share. And so, Jen, maybe we could start with you. If, if there's anything you'd like to finish this out with. It was just great to have Jarena with us. Uh, otherwise, I don't have anything. We, we didn't get to talk about the Verizon data breach investigations <laughs> report, so I'm kind of sad. But otherwise, um, it is fantastic to have Jarena here. And I hope she comes back. Yeah, I agree that there's definitely a lot we have to cover. We might have to come back and do another round mm -hmm. this month. And, and definitely, it's been good to hear Dave talk less and Jarena talk more. So I, in my just in my case, I think I'm gonna. I definitely need to get my cyber uh, podcast going so I can actually talk about cyber stuff, including the uh, data breach investigations report. So anyway, I'm done. That's right. A little foreshadow for Jen's upcoming cybercast. Right, so Dave. All right. So for our loyal listeners, the 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 podcast will be up probably tomorrow. You'll be listening to this already, um, but. 
I'll also have the poll up. So check out my Twitter feed, D Pounder, P-O-U-N-D-E-R, like a quarter pounder. And uh, check out my Twitter feed, and it'll be up there. And I'll also link it off of the uh, – I'll tag B15 on there as well. So uh, get out and vote. Nerd out. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> nice. We'll look forward to that. Look like nerd that. out. Like ner the nerd is out. That's, that's the only way that makes sense. <laughs> Jarena, do you, Jarena, you hear this harassment, right? This is, you heard the harassment, right? I do, Dave. I do. I feel for you. But Jen's not mean, so I just, Thank you. I don't know. <laughs> Jarena, any final thoughts as you join us uh, in this discussion? Yeah, just thank you for inviting me. This was really fun. This went by so fast, and it's so awesome to hear the perspectives of so many smart people. So um, thank you, guys. Um, I guess the, the, the thing that I think about when I think about all the things we talked about is that there are so many interesting security issues. Some of them overlap. Some of them don't, and they're just all so important. Um, so I'm glad that, that we have this forum to, to talk about them and share some thoughts. Thank you for, for having me here. Yeah, no, really. Th thanks for joining us and being part of this. And I, to, to Jen's comment, I hope we get to convince you to come back again. It's been really great having you and your perspective as part of this. And um, so really, thanks to all three of you for, for all of your thoughtful commentary and perspective and everything you do every day, you know, for our team and for all those we try and support. But I just want to close out and again, acknowledge a few really important things. One, as we sort of hastily moved from coronavirus being our explicit focus um, to protests and so many other things going on right now. Um, I think it's important to just pause and again acknowledge all of those who have and continue to serve on the front lines of coronavirus, putting their, their lives in danger, leaving their loved ones behind, in many cases not being able to be with their loved ones because they could potentially be infected. Just sincere thanks to everybody that's one of those individuals, supporting one of those individuals. Um, they certainly deserve our heartfelt gratitude as they continue to support all of us as we go through this, this transition and hopefully uh, a successful reopening in the weeks ahead. But also, it's important to acknowledge and thank all of those that have come together to peacefully protest in response to George Floyd's uh, passing and, and the events associated with that. It takes a lot of courage to stand up for what you believe in. It takes a lot of courage for a community to come out and say, we have to have change. And we've been talking about some of these issues for, for way too long, as Jarena pointed out to you earlier, without effective change occurring. And so for those who have been able to come together responsibly and give voice to these issues and hopefully get us as a nation to move forward and make progress uh, to a better place, um, I think it's really commendable and worth acknowledging. There will always be bad actors to try and take advantage of, of the good of others. And we're gonna continue to see that um, you know, in this incident and, and many others ahead of us. But it's also important to recognize that there's a lot of thoughtful leadership a lot of really concerned citizens and solidarity being shown around the world um, saying that, hey, th this is not right. And I think that's really powerful. It's really encouraging. And we, we need to see more of that where our nation come together, peacefully assemble, articulate our concerns, and hopefully be heard by, by those that have the ability to influence and shape these things for the betterment of all of us. We live in a great country and it takes active involvement for us to, uh, to really take advantage of all the good and promise that America offers us. So thanks to everybody who's been involved in that. Thank you again to, to my teammates, and thanks anybody for taking the time to listen. Look forward to continuing this discussion, and I look forward to speaking to you all again real soon. Have a great day. Thank you very much.